it's getting harder and harder for me to contain what he's doing in me. And I was sharing with Jean last night, uh, just at the party, just literally, um, I feel like uh, there is about 10,000 volts just being inserted into me. Uh, it has felt like this for a little while, but the, it's just, it feels like God's just turning up the voltage. And there's so much life that we are to come into in Him. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at how much uh, life is found in just a book. Just a book. Just some words on a bit of paper. No, there's so much. And I, I actually, I can't describe, actually, I can't even describe the words of what is contained within these pages. You know, if you look at this, this book, I don't know, it's about three inches sort of thick this way. It's maybe about nine inches that way. And yet the depth is endless. If we could climb into the book, we'd get lost. You know, you've seen those movies where they enter into the, into the wardrobe. What is it? The, the line, the witch in the wardrobe. They enter, and they enter into another realm. And then there's this whole realm that that's, they're now living in. But how did they get there? They got there through entering in. Jesus says, I'm a door. And if you enter through the door, you'll enter into life. And this was another world. This wasn't just, you know, like 10 meters and there was a brick wall they entered into. This was a complete other realm, another world. It's called the kingdom. And as we come through the door, we enter into this complete other reality, this other realm, this other dimension that exists right now. You see, it's right there. There are these two realities that exist. They coexist and they are parallel to one another. One calls the kingdom of darkness and the other one's called the kingdom of light. And we're all born into the kingdom of darkness. It's what it's existing right now. It's ruled by Satan. It's ruled by the demonic. And we actually all find ourselves in the pit of darkness when we're born. Of course, we don't realize that. We have no concept of that. But that's where we're born. That's what we're born into. It's a nature that we're actually living within us. And Christ has to come and reach into and leave the kingdom of light enter into this darkness and rescue us from it, doesn't he? And there is a completely new reality that we are to walk in, live in, experience, speak from, and be transformed into the reality that he was in his whole life. You see, he walked this earth in his reality because he wasn't from this reality, but he influenced this reality, didn't he? It's phenomenal the life that is contained within the person called Jesus Christ. But the only way that we can actually experience this life is if he chooses to reveal himself to us. If he chooses 
to peel back the layers and show us firstly who he is and then what is contained within him. And I don't know, I just want to give testimony today about the life, and I only do this to exhort him and to glorify him, that there is life, guys, that is for all. It's not for special people. It's not for people that have a gifting. We've all got giftings, but it's, you know, we, can, we, we, we paint these pictures. Oh, yeah, Joyce Meyer, she got lucky. She must have picked the right card out of the slot when she got her gifting and her revelation. You know, oh, that, that, that person, they're just lucky. Just, oh, man, what, did you turn right instead of left? And you ran into something. No, no. No, it's for all of us. And our choices determine everything. See, what I'm discovering more and more is there is no limit to him. It's our choices that determine our capping. We are capped to the limit of our own choices. It's as simple as that. I better just start that. There are no excuses in the kingdom. And I was having another conversation last night uh, with Jess about this. Is that he has removed every obstacle for us to enter into life. And the word tells us this, life and life of abundance. Amen. So Lord, this morning I just pray that your spirit which you've given us, you've left here as a deposit for us to lead us would speak. And Lord, we acknowledge today that we cannot come into this reality through our own means. We are so dependent upon you to reveal yourself and your reality to us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, today, that our ears, our eyes, our mind, our heart would be attuned to you. And I pray that the word that spoke in your word would find good soil. The kingdom seed that's about to come out of my mouth that you have given me, Father, would find good soil to grow and produce fruit. So, Father, come and speak and reveal your Son. Anyone here with us for the very first time? Is this the very first time as far as hearing the message I've been doing, not in our community, but if you're part of our community and you're about to hear a message on being a true worshipper, have you been here the last couple of weeks and heard this message? Anyone not? Awesome. Okay, that's cool. That's all right. I just really want to encourage you to go on the website and have a listen because over the weeks and months, and it may even be a year, I'm laying precept upon precept upon precept upon precept. So as I'm going forward, this is all going to layer upon itself. So if you miss a layer, especially like my message this morning, there's something that you might miss that God wants you to come into and hear. Because personally, personally I believe this with everything I have, that we are to capture the revelation of what I'm about to say at the time 
we make a decision to follow Christ. If we can capture what I'm saying today, your life will be radically altered. Radically. If we can capture the revelation, not the head knowledge, not an intellectual understanding, but a revealed position, a revealed posture, Christ's posture, then without a shadow of a doubt, your life will be altered like that. You will find you have something in you you've never had before. You will find you have a love that you've never had before. You will find you have a passion you've never had before. And if I had been God, I would have given every single follower this revelation the day they repented and asked him into their heart. I don't know why he doesn't, but what I do know is his ways aren't our ways. And I do know that his plans are bigger than ours. And his ways are simple but so diverse that he says that would just, I don't know, maybe be too easy. I don't know. So I don't know why he does what he does because certainly I would do it another way, but hey, he's God and we're not, eh? So we just have to try and figure him out and not let the mystery of God derail us. And that's why faith is so important because you can know him, but at the same time, he's sort of unknowable. And we need faith in the mystery. But we don't like mystery. We want to know it at work before we'll ever take one step forward. Anyone else like that? Just me. I don't want mystery. Tell me how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, so I can plan for it. So I can do my to-do lists and make sure that I'm comfortable as I transition through. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, that's not the God we love. And unfortunately, that's not the God the way he operates. He's completely the opposite of that reality. He says, no, 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 I'll give you a snippet. I'll help you out. I'll give you a snippet. And then something called faith, trust in me, is going to have to be exercised. So come follow me. Every single one of us are confronted with those words daily. It's not just a one-off thing. It's a daily walk. Are you still going to follow me? So, Lord, speak. Speak. So we've been talking about being, becoming a true worshiper. Someone who worships in spirit And in truth. Who can tell me one of the points I gave last week? (laughs) Is there someone else up there? Awesome. Thanks, Michael. Internal, before it's ever external. We must become people of the Spirit. We must be a person of the Spirit. We must be born again to enter into this reality, this realm that I started talking about at the start. 
You can't enter it through the natural. It's a spiritual dimension. I always find it fascinating how the demonic knew who he was, but his disciples didn't. Have you ever found that fascinating? The demonic knew who Jesus was, but his own disciples were still trying to figure him out. You're the son of God. Who is this guy? Any idea? No. Some say he's this, some say he's that. Peter needed a revelation to enter into the reality, the dimension of the Father. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So if we're going to live by the Spirit, we have to walk by the Spirit. To live in Spirit and walk in the Spirit means to literally walk in the same manner as Jesus did. It's to be in the posture that he himself lived in and from, and it's the role of the Holy Spirit to lead us into that reality. Do we think it's possible to live in the same manner that Jesus did? Shirley says yes. This lady says yes. Anyone else say yes? Yes. It is fully possible to walk in the manner that Jesus did on the earth. Listen to 1 John 1, 6. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. That's awesome, isn't it? You need faith for that, don't you? See, there's a reality for you and I. And the Bible speaks of it. So God has expectations. He declares his reality and says, if you're in me, it is fully possible to walk in the manner that my boy walked. It's fully possible to engage. It's fully possible to have a love in you that when you are persecuted, possibly stoned to death, the words that come from your mouth are, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. If you don't believe me, look at Stephen. Because Stephen says the same words of Christ at the day he is being stoned to death. To think I'm just this little guy that was born in England in 1969 to a family of Alan and Lillian Simnort with two brothers and just to live life surviving on the earth, coexisting, looking for a career, maybe looking to get married, maybe they're looking to have some kids, maybe play a bit of football, maybe go to a few football matches and never understand that there is this other realm dimension that is right beside me, but I never enter into it, would have to be the most incredibly saddest thing that a person can experience, I believe. To be know him and to be transformed by him and to live in his reality, to see someone's bones align 
and heal after it's been broken. To see someone who is paralyzed from birth or can't walk, to be just called forth and say, walk, is incredible. And to be able to enter into it, I don't know. Christianity's boring? Really? Maybe the church is boring because the church isn't entering into the reality of what Jesus came to do. Because Jesus wasn't boring. His kingdom's not boring. He's never the problem. His followers, on the other hand, <laughs> different story. Thank you, Lord, for grace and the possibilities. I love this saying. Danny, Danny shared this with me just the other day. She said this, Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Let me read it again. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. If that's not a kingdom paradigm, I don't know what is. And I feel like that, I don't feel like I know, that God, God's wanting to, now here, start again. But he doesn't. But this morning, my message is about going backwards, but it's really about going forwards. Does that make sense? We're going to go backwards, but actually it's going forwards. We may have missed something when we started our pursuit with God. Okay? So you may have missed the truth and just started walking. You heard a call, you heard his voice, and you started walking. And actually, you missed something when you started walking. You missed a revelation of something that you really needed if you're going to walk wholeheartedly into what he has for us. But because you missed this revelation, and he can give it to you right now, it's not like you missed it, you've been walking for 15 years and you missed it. He can reveal it any time, but you were oblivious that it even existed, so you're not seeking it. And you're wondering why I'm feeling frustrated and I'm feeling not energized and I don't feel like this kingdom stuff that Greg's talking about is filled in me and I've got this life. In fact, it feels hard and burdensome and following Christ is a real burden and everything's hard and it's always they want more and he wants more. And God, can I just have a rest? Can someone just give me a rest? Someone say amen. <laughs> because... We missed something the day we actually invited him in. And so we're going backwards, but we're really going forwards. Here's my first, my only point today is this. It'll come up behind me. A true worshiper has a revealed knowledge or a conviction of where they have come from and what they have been saved from. Okay? Now we're on a journey. We are true worshippers, but we're becoming them. We are saved, but we're becoming saved. Because salvation is a whole process. It's 
not a one-off event. It's a process. Work out your salvation, Paul said. It's transformation. Into what? Into walking in the manner which he walked because you're being transformed into the image of the one you follow. So, a true worshipper has a revealed knowledge. Not just information. A revealed posture. And everything I'm going to talk about in this theme We have to come into a revealed posture, not just a head knowledge informational posture. Does that make sense? Because they are so far apart, it's not funny. A revealed posture of truth is completely different to an intellectual posture of truth. One creates humility, love, grace, generosity, The other one has the potential to create pride, arrogance, boastfulness, stubbornness, disobedience. Kingdom of darkness, self. Kingdom of light, Christ. The truth that sets you free is here, not there. That puffs you up. Or leads you into false sense of knowledge and security. Okay? One is living. Man cannot live on... uh, Man cannot live on... Help me. Thank you. This is good, eh? This is the church helping the church. Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word out of the mouth that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's here. That's this reality. It's revealed knowledge. You see, this is Paul. This is Apostle Paul. Before he gets this. And look at him. He's the complete opposite to this, isn't he? When he's over here, what's he doing? He's killing you and I. And he has a whole lot of knowledge. He is the dude. And in in a moment, he gets revealed knowledge when Ananias comes and lays hands on him and the spirit comes and bang, takes all that head knowledge and brings it to life. And all of a sudden, in a moment in time, because of revelation, he is so altered That he now becomes someone who he used to kill. I don't know about anyone else, but anyone else sort of wake up like that and just in a moment wake up one day and go, you know, I think I'll do the complete opposite to what I used to do. That'd be a good idea, eh, Kirk? I was killing them one day, I think I'll get killed today. And as we know, the church were like, this guy is the guy that was killing everybody. Can we trust him? And good old Barnabas was his voice piece. I've seen the difference. He's one of us. What happened? He went backwards to go forwards. We have revealed knowledge of where we've come from, 
and what we have been saved from. I would encourage you to take these notes or get this down, okay? I'm going to give you five things that um, we will experience. Actually, I'll give you even six. Here's the first one, which is if we don't have a revealed position on where we've come from and what we've been saved from, we will struggle to move forward and enter into the fullness of all that God has for us. That's not on the PowerPoint. I added that. Okay? If you don't have a revealed posture of where you have come from and what you've been saved from, you will always struggle to enter into the fullness of what he calls you into. Come follow me and lose your complete life. Why on earth would I want to do that? Because you have revealed to me where I'm from and what I've been saved from. And we're going to look at what that place is. Okay, here's five reasons why you would be seeking the revelation through the Holy Spirit. Five reasons why I'd say go home and pray and pray and fast and pray and fast and pray and pray and pray and read and pray until the Holy Spirit reveals what I'm talking about. Here's five things. You will find yourself, ourself, with a motivation, power, and passion to lay one's life down and enter into the Lordship of Christ. Read that. Everyone read that. We will find... Read that to us. Read it out. Anyone struggling right now to lay your life down? Five honest people over here. Anyone struggling for a passion for Christ? There's no shame in acknowledging. You don't have to put your hand up, okay? Sorry. Let's be honest. If we all had that, we'd all look different. Let's be honest this morning, eh? If the church had that, mate, I don't know if there'd be anyone not saved. If the church had that, people would know that we are to be known and we would be known for love. We wouldn't be known for being judgmental. Those people that are, I don't know what they are. Some of us are. Second reason, we will find obedience to God life-giving rather than burdensome. I have to obey. I have to go to the rock. I have to pray. I have to read. I have to go to this meeting and that meeting. Okay, now he's now he's telling me to come to furnace. Why would I want to do that? I don't know. You might want to get equipped and be built up so you're capable of sharing Christ and living the life and calling forth others into the glory because you found someone who's so amazing that you can't help but want to share him. No, no, no. Nah. 
Let's chill out. Number three, we will carry a conviction of what Jesus did, not just a belief, and it's a conviction of truth that makes all the difference to our lives. Number four, we will understand this is huge, okay? This is huge, and over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about our true state without Christ. If we don't capture this revelation, once again, there is an outcome that you will carry that you'll be unaware of. So here we go. We will understand if we get a revealed position of where we're from and what we've been saved from, we will understand our true state of being or how wicked we actually are without Christ. And this will keep us from having a self-righteous judgmental heart posture which Jesus detests. There's no way you can judge anyone when you've been revealed who you are without him. You can't. When you have, when he shows you who you are without him, you see, we all think we're good. We all think we're entitled to stuff. We all think we're good people. But Jesus says, why do you call me good? For no one is good except the Father. You see, without Christ, the Bible says we're evil. You ever thought about that of yourself? God shows you, reveals to you where you're from and I'm from and what you're saved from, and what lives in you, you wouldn't judge anybody else. Because you realize you're no different from the very person you're judging. So you might as well judge yourself. Why do you think Jesus was disgusted with the Pharisees? You brood of vipers, you hypocrites. You judge the very thing you are yourself. And you do not live. It's the worst thing because it just stinks of pride and arrogance, you haughty spirit. And we don't even recognize it on ourselves. And we're too busy pointing the finger at everyone else's sin like this. And he's going... Turn the finger around and point it back at yourself. And the fifth thing, if you get this position, we will be able, this is massive, all these things are massive. We will be able to comprehend and we will experience his love for us that surpasses head knowledge, which results in us being active followers rather than being passive ones. To know the love that goes past head knowledge. How high, how deep, how long is this love that surpasses something that my intellect cannot even get its 
mind around, but I can fully experience it in me. It comes out of me and others can experience because it's coming out of me. It creates such a hunger for him, such a passion for him, such life that the only choice you have is to lay your life down. It's not even a conscious decision. It's so innate because he's revealed to you where you're from and what you've been saved from and he fills you with himself. See, I wrote this. This is what makes the good news the good news. So you start capturing this in the spirit. You realize how much he loves you and how far he had to travel from his domain into yours to rescue you. But see, without a revealed knowledge, the good news is just the okay news. Did you share with Jesus with someone? No. Nah. Why? Because it's not really that exciting to me. Why? Because I actually haven't had a revealed understanding. I just have head knowledge. I heard someone preach it. I believed it to be true. And it always ever did is sat there. Which is awesome because I got saved. But actually, I started walking my Christian walk without that revealed knowledge. So I don't have the life, the revelation of that position. So I'm not really excited to share it with you because I really don't even know it myself. But in that moment, when the Holy Spirit revealed it to me 15 years ago in my workplace, never been in a building really like this apart from a wedding and a funeral, and he reveals my true nature, where I'm from and what I've been saved from. And he peels it back, literally like opening the curtains and the light shines in to your spirit. Boom! It radically alters everything. You run to him. You run. And you don't stop running. Not because you're good, not because you've come, because he has revealed himself and those things to you. And so maybe we have to go back this morning to actually go forward. Maybe God's going to say, you know what? You've been following me 20 years, but you know today that you haven't had a revealed posture and those five things are not in me. In fact, the opposite is in me. And I'm struggling. I don't find life. I struggle to get here, whatever. I struggle to be part of things. My walk just seems to be hard. And I'm struggling for life. Then I would say to you, stop whatever you're doing. And start seeking 
the revealed posture of where you're from and what you've been saved from. And it's the Holy Spirit's role to lead us into this posture of spirit and truth. So you're able and capable to fully walk in this life that Christ has. Now, once again, I don't know why he doesn't do that, but what I do know, it's something to do with our hearts. Come with me to Luke. Come with me to Luke 7. Luke seven thirty six, And I'm going to give us a picture of what I'm describing so we can see it in Scripture, but see a picture of it. Because a picture paints a thousand words, doesn't it? What we're about to look at is going to put a picture to what I'm saying. So Luke seven thirty six, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I'm going to take us to Scripture over the last two weeks. Are we all there? Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him, Jesus, to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him, okay, as I'm reading, start painting this picture. You've got Christ in the room. This woman is a sinner. You know, the most amazing thing is when you realize you're a sinner. When you realize you're a sinner. Paul said, I'm the worst of all of you. Paul said that? The guy that writes 13 books says he's the worst. I thought it was quite profound last night. We were singing a song by Eurythmics. I was born a natural... Uh, I was born a... Original sinner. I was born from original sin. And if I had a dollar bill for all the things I'd done, there'd be a mountain of money piled up to something. My chin. I, thought, I felt like saying to the guys that were playing, the band was phenomenal. Hey, can you come and do that as an item? It goes really well with my message. <laughs> see, this woman, what we're going to see is she knows... She knows who she is. And she knows who he is. And she knows what he's done or about to do for her. With the other guy who we're going to look at, he's not a clue. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now, you've got to realize that they were walking around with sandals on their feet, bare feet, and the mud and the poo and the this and the that would be on their feet. She's kissing. Doesn't say he has time for a bath. Doesn't say the time he has to wash his feet. He may have, don't know, but a creative license. 
But anyway, right now, take off your shoes and socks, turn behind you and say, kiss my feet. I can imagine what he'd say. And anoint him with perfume. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who, listen to this, and what sort of person this woman is. Just a little bit of self-righteousness. Just a little bit of judgmentalism. Because remember, she's a sinner. She's disgusting. But me, on the other hand. And Jesus, if you knew, which means I know and you don't. God, I'm so humble. The God of the universe doesn't know something that I do. <laughs> Hopefully we're getting the picture. Such a sinner. And it goes on verse 40. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. I find this really fascinating from this posture of person is they're not interested at all in people. But as soon as they perceive that the prophet has something to say to them, the prophetic word, oh, we all get excited. Just miss the whole thing of what it's really about, of loving people. No, no, it's a prophetic word. Oh, I hear the prophetic word, brother. Uh, no, you've just missed something. Judge me, judge this woman, and completely miss the whole thing. And you don't even recognize it. Why? Because he's so full of himself. It's not funny. So he's got his attention. Then he says this, a money lender had two debts. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Big point. Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Yeah, yeah, I see her. I've judged her. I know who you're talking about. This wretched beep. Don't even know what she's doing in my house. <laughs> I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Washing of the feet. Because they stunk. Smelly. But you didn't give me any water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my smelly feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. 
For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. I'm going to read that again. For much is forgiven, much is loved. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Question, do we have a revealed knowledge, a conviction of how much we have been forgiven? Because it is very, very clear in the scripture, in this passage, and the point Jesus is making. Because it says, for much is forgiven, much is loved. The love that is expressed in us and through us will be in direct correlation with our revelation of what we have been forgiven from. Where and what? Revealed knowledge of where you've been saved from and what you've been saved from will create a massive amount of love in your heart and you will love like her. But lack of revelation, just information, may have you living like Simon. read this out. Just again, Simon, see this woman? She is pouring out her entire jar of alabaster oil all over me. One year's worth of wages and you haven't even offered me a glass of water. You can't just take the top of an alabaster jar and pour you have to smash it. Remember who she is? A sinner! And yet, I don't think you can get a more expressive picture of what a true worshiper looks like. She's weeping at his feet. Why? Because she has a review of posture or something. She's kissing his smelly toe jam toes. That doesn't faze her at all. Why? Because she's got a revealed position of something. She is cleaning. I couldn't have done it. She's cleaning. It's all right. I lay hands on it every day. My faith isn't obviously big enough because it's still looking like this. She is cleaning his feet. She's behind him. She's a son, by the way. This isn't, this isn't false humility. This is a son. This is a daughter. She has saved 12 months worth of wages and is pouring it out like a what offering? Was Jesus poured out for us? A love offering. 
The love of God's been poured out into your hearts. She is pouring out her worship. What's worship? The laying down of one's entire life. She is in this moment. Why do you think the Bible says that many will talk about this in years to come? Because it's exactly a representation of what someone looks like who understands what they've been saved from and where. They've gone backwards to go forwards. Some people start their Christianity with that revelation because for whatever reason, the Father reveals it in the moment that they scream to heaven. And we're going to look at this as we go further on about heart postures and heart positions. Right here is where it gets uncomfortable, if it's not already. God stood in front of us right now and asked you and I what picture best describes our expression of worship to him, what would our honest answer be? And this isn't a beat me up. This is to create a conviction. Not a condemnation, but a conviction to stir you to move towards an action. Because I know we all want to be like her. I know that in our hearts we have a desire to be like that. Paul put it this way, I have a desire, a want to do this very thing, but I can't do it. I can't do this thing I want to do because there's too much of self still in it. And nothing in me, although I have a desire, I have a want to want to want to want, I keep finding myself doing the opposite of what I want to want to want to do. Why? Because I need an outpouring, a revelation of him in me for me to be able to enter into that reality. And there is a gap between the reality and where I'm at, and the gap's too big, and I can't make it. And so I acknowledge my absolute dependency upon you, Holy Spirit Father, for you to have to come in and reveal this to me in the Spirit and put it in me so I'm able to actually cross the divide which shrinks and now I'm in the reality that I always wanted to come into. Can you hear what I'm saying? We are absolutely 100% dependable upon Him not only to justify us and save us, but for us to be able to accomplish the works that he's got for us to do. You cannot accomplish them in your own strength. And this is exactly what Paul is trying to communicate to the church. He's saying, I have a desire, but I can't. I can't. I realize I can't. I need something greater. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called living truth to be poured into me so the gap shrinks. And now I find myself doing the very thing that I couldn't do before. It's amazing. So where are we at today? And we have to be honest. I'm sick and tired of all the BS 
that goes on in the church. I'm sick and tired of people going, I'm okay. Sick and tired of all the rubbish. He is too. And all it does is limit us. So we, guys, we have to be a community. Have to. That can just be honest and vulnerable and transparent and love one another enough that everyone can take off all the stupid masks and go, you know what, we're all in this together and enter into the kingdom life. But while there maintains all this competition and our one-upmanship and all this wrong thinking about what it's about and all these excuses, you and I will never become true worshippers. We will never become the people who God calls us to become while we play stupid games. And more and more, I'm just going to say it as it is, and I might be speaking to myself in a year. That's the reality. That's the reality God's shown me. I might be speaking to empty seats. The truth will set you free, but the truth will cost you everything. And many people didn't want to know it. Many people didn't want to know the truth, yet the truth will set you free. And Peter saw something. Why? Because he had a revealed posture. The only way you can utter these words back to Christ, when he said, where are we going to go? When Jesus looked at him straight in the eyes and said, Keith, are you going to go too? Can you imagine God looking at you straight into your soul and going, are you going to leave me now as well? And Keith turns around and says back to Jesus, I'm not Jesus, okay? Where are we going to go? You hold all the answers to life and truth. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter whether we're killed. We've come into the revealed understanding that there's nowhere else to go. So what's the difference between Peter and the dudes and all the ones that walked away? I'll tell you, a lack of a revealed posture. And I was going to try and speak for 30 minutes today. I think I just set myself free of that, eh? Do you want more? Here's the thing. It's 1127. Do you want more or do you want me to stop? That was only about 20% of people. What about the rest of you in the room want to do? Okay. Because this really is a two-way thing. If you... If you want more, I'll give you more. If you don't, if, I'm, if it's just going to go straight over your head, let's stop now. Because I'm aware I can give too much. I've been talking to him. He's been talking to me about me, about giving too much. And I realize that I can be like, have a drink of water, and I'm a fireman with a fire hydrant. <laughs> Come on, take it in! <laughs> so help me, because I'm trying not to be that. I'm trying to be someone who has a nice bottle of water and go, have a drink. <laughs> I didn't ask for a shower, I asked for a drink. But it's very hard to turn the tap off. Very hard when he starts to speak to just like, 
Pause. Then he says, let me breathe. Okay. So scream when you've had enough, okay? So where have we all come from? What was that? Okay, here's the question. Where have we all come from and what have we been saved from? James, you don't have this passage, but you have the Colossians one. So I'm going to read Acts 26, 16. I will appear to you. This is God talking to Paul. I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles. And I'm rescuing from the Gentiles, I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So Jesus is saying to Paul, I've touched your life. I've given you a revealed understanding, and now I'm sending you to the Jews and to the Gentiles so they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, dominion of Satan to God. Okay? Colossians 1 verses 13. For he, God, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. The domain of darkness. He rescued us from something we were born with and into. This is not good news. This is incredible, life-changing news. Stop the bus. Put it on every front page of every paper in the world and scream it from the rooftops that you and I, Gentile or Jew, were literally stuffed, eternally damned, going to spend our entire eternity with Satan and his angels for a whole... Do you know how long eternity is? It's a mighty long time. We were going to spend our entire lives away from him if he does not come and leave the kingdom of light and enter into darkness to rescue you and me. God gave me a picture of this during the week. The picture was a well, 200 meter well, and we were all down the bottom of it. It was a round well, and we looked up and we could see a speck of light at the top, but it was in the well, there was like just oil and grease so none of us could actually try and manufacture climbing up or getting on each other's soldiers or anything like that. There was no way out of the well. You cannot rescue yourself from this place. You are eternally damned. Do you realize that's the nature you were born with and where you're from? 
Can you see why the good news is the good news? And if you capture a revelation of the good news, why you'd want to scream it from the rooftops? Because when he revealed to me at 15 years ago where I was going, who I was without him, and his incredible love that he would come after I denied him five times, after seeing signs and wonders, but still denying him, that his love was still there. He's still present right in front of me going, I've always been here. My hand is not too short. I am with you today. Yes, you said this five times, but I go past all that and I'm here because I love you, son, and I have everything for you, but you must grab hold of my hand and I want to show you another reality and you must leave this reality and come into with me and I'm going to take you. It's very hard to take what he's done in a person and give it. You can't. But what you can do is scream it from the rooftops and hope that everyone who has ears will hear and go, you know what? Today, I know that's not my reality. I know I don't have what he's talking about. But you know what? I want it. I want it with everything that is Christ in me because I want to have a passion and I want to have life and I want to have a joy and I want, I want, I want. So Father, I know I can't get it on my own. I know I can't go to the the, the 10 steps of 40 days of this and 50 years of that to find it. I've got to surrender and just be vulnerable and jump off and say, come and fill me. A revealed position. You and I were born into the domain of darkness. We are completely separated from the Father and God. Sorry, the Father. And God has to leave his domain of light. A place of pure love and radiant light beyond description. And enter into the complete opposite reality of everything he has to rescue us. His creation, which he loves, from the domain of darkness. We are completely and absolutely helpless to get ourselves out of this domain of darkness. We are eternally damned, and there is nothing we can do to rescue ourselves. What did David say in Psalm 40, 1 to 4? Let me read what he said. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. Listen to these words. I cried when I read this for the first time because it was my reality. It took me a while to get going to reading God's word. And I remember reading this for the very first time. I remember where we were. We were I was in Tawa, and Danny was going for a job interview at uh, uh, an early childhood. I haven't even shared this with her. It just came to me now. I'm sitting in the car waiting while she's having an interview and I read this Psalm 40 and I just started a week because it was my reality. And he inclined to me and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction. He rescued him from where? The domain of darkness. See, David's getting this. Out of the miry clay. But listen, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Who's the rock? He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. You see, when you get a revealed posture, 
you have a new song you're going to sing. Even if you can't sing, you're going to sing. You don't care. If you don't hit notes, you don't care. If you're the most flattest tone singer, you don't care. You don't care what the person beside you thinks. You only care, hear what I'm saying, about one person. And you know, to him, you sound like Pavarotti. To him, you sound like the Scottish lady that won the, what's her name, Susan Boyle. You sound like One Direction of you're in our house. You put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. So you know when we come here on a Sunday, how do we enter? See, a revealed position will have you entering in a new posture. A revealed position will have you can I say this? On time. There won't be 20 people sitting here at 10 o'clock. There'll be everyone here at quarter to 10 waiting, anticipating, ready. Not just to tick a box and turn up to a service. No, to come together with my brothers and sisters to worship the person who set me free from the kingdom, the domain of darkness that I am forever for grateful for. And if that's all he ever showed me that's in his word, that would be enough for 50 trillion lifetimes. But you know what? He's got more than that. And yet, we can't manufacture it. All we can do is seek it. How much do you want him? King David not only knew exactly what God had saved him from, listen to this, but he knew what he had been saved for. He knew what he was saved for. Faith in its utmost form is the ability to see the future and receive it by faith. I'm looking for true worshippers who worship in spirit and truth, and they are people of the spirit. They see things in the spirit, they receive it in the spirit, and their lives change now. If we don't have a revealed knowledge of this reality, then it's more than likely that our lives will be reflective of the revelation we have and we will struggle to be and become these true worshippers. So what do we need to do? Just four basic steps. I've been saying this. This isn't new. Recognize where we are at. Are we humble enough today? If you can put it up, it's on the slide. That'd be great. There's four things. So once again, write them down, take a photo of them, whatever. Ignore it. Recognize where you're at today. I'm going to get honest. I'm going to be honest because God knows, so we're not hiding. Then you've got to acknowledge it. So you can recognize it but not acknowledge it because you're in fear. 
You can shove your hand, head in the sand and hope things change over a year and goes differently, but it never does. Anyone figured that out? Nothing ever changes. Putting your head in the sand, nothing ever changes. It's there when you put your head out of the sand. But some people continually put their head in the sand, look up, nothing's shifted, put their head in the sand, look up, nothing's shifted. And that's how they live their whole lives, existing. So we have to recognize it, we have to acknowledge it. Then we have to do this thing called repent, which is to turn from where we're at and move towards him. I come and I stand, which is all I can do. I can't make this happen. I can't scream out loud and it's going to happen. I have to just recognize it, acknowledge it. I'm here to repent of my apathy, of my stubbornness, of my self-righteousness, of my judgmentalism, of my lack of passion, of my lack of love. I don't have it, Lord. Today I come to you as my father because I know I'm a son of the kingdom. I know I was bought with a price. I know I'm this. So even though I'm in this posture, I don't lose my identity. I don't lose. You don't kick me out of the family and say, get it sorted when you come back. I'm in the family. I've been bought. So I just want to be a son that comes in, or a daughter that comes into what the family inheritance is. But today I acknowledge where I'm at because I know I can't do it. And I haven't had this revealed posture. And I know I need it if I'm going to be full on for you, which is what you call me to because you call me to lay my life down. And I know I can't put the gun to my head and shoot myself because I'm wired to live. So I need something greater than me to come into me. He must increase so I can decrease. That's what John said. Lord, I need more of you if I'm going to live for you. It's really quite simple, but it's deep. And then the fourth thing we need to do is ask with faith for the Holy Spirit to reveal this truth to us and others. Yeah? So don't just ask for yourself. Ask for yourself and others or others and yourself. And make it the prayer of your life. So I'm not talking about a one-time thing. I'm talking about until it hits. Don't pray another prayer until you receive the life on that prayer. Make sense? Don't go to another conference. Don't go looking for another message. Don't go to that community. You know what? The big speaker's in town. Start chewing on what you've been given, what's right in front of your face. Can I say that? Start chewing on what's right in front of your face. Next week and over the coming weeks, I'm going to talk about the nature of this domain of darkness that still lives in us, along with the new nature we have in us, and how important it is we don't live from the self-nature, but our new nature, if we want to be and become true worshippers. So as I said, it's layer upon layer upon layer. And I would say to you, take what you're hearing today, discern it, 
Go to the Father, listen to it eight, ten times in your CD. Chew on it. Okay? Meditate. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate. Be like a cow. Eats grass, throws it up. 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 Produces milk. Can we just skip the music guys up? Um, Um, I just really wanted to share my testimony. Um, in the last few months, um, the Lord has been doing exactly this with me. And it all started off with a really bad bout of depression. And I said to the Lord, what is this depression? Why has it come on? Where has it come from? You know, I went into spiritual warfare and, you know, read the strings, where the, the joy of the Lord is my strength and all of that. And then slowly he started to reveal to me that what was affecting me was the fact that he was holding a mirror up to my face and showing me who I am. <laughs> and it's really bad. It is really shocking when he does that. And the thing is, God knows what we can take and he'll show you as much as he knows won't completely and utterly break you. But he will bend you. And he says, a contrite and a broken heart is a very good sacrifice to have. And the thing that he showed me about was the fact that I've always said that I'm a person of integrity. And it's one of my core values. If I tell you I'll do something, I will do it. If I tell you I'll give you something, I will give it. If I tell you I will find you, I will find you. And then he started speaking to me about who are you? Are you integrity? Where did this integrity come from that you have? Where did you produce it from? Where does it come from? And then I realized I don't have it. The very thing that I held dearest to one of my core values, I don't have. I don't have any integrity. I don't have any character. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. And the moment that the Lord started doing this with me, I started crying inconsolably. I was in an absolute mess. But the Lord took me from there because he met me there. That's where he wanted me. There at the point where I said, I have nothing. And he knew which bit of me to take. Next year, in six months, he'll take something else. This isn't over. This is not over. There are other things that I can't see yet. But he's kind and he's good and he's gracious. And he'll only show me what he knows I have to deal with now. As long as I know this process isn't over. And when I said to him, what is the point of all of this if this is life? He said to me, the point is the reason why I created mankind. I needed a bride for my son. 
This is your whole purpose, is to be the bride for my son. And I am sitting and I'm waiting for the bride to get ready. And I'm getting involved. I am making sure this bride is ready. And I'm sitting as a refiner of silver. And I will sit next to you. You will not be in that fire by yourself. But I will pick out the dross. Because I want a bride for my son. You are the new Jerusalem. Without speck, without spot or wrinkle. So I want to encourage you. If you are going to go through a hard time with this, keep going. Don't give up. Cry your tears in front of the Lord. Don't run away from them. Don't run away from whatever hard thing happens. As we've heard. Just know that there's grace in that moment. Grace is unmerited favor. It's undeserved. So don't give up. But also know that this is not a one-time thing. This is for the rest of your life. To get you to that point where you are the bride. Last Sunday in the service, I um, sent that I a word that I'd given in the church some time ago came back to me, and it's a it's a picture picture work, and I feel I should just say it today. Um, I was in the service here, and I gave this prophetic word, and what I saw was like a fruit uh, on a on a fruit tree, and one side of the fruit had been ripened, and I sensed. I don't know when this was, maybe about two years ago, three years ago, that what was happening was that the other side of that fruit was going to be exposed to to the light. And so things have to be stripped away. So if you're the vine dress and you've got these grapes or you've got this fruit and you notice that one side is, is right but the other side's not, you're not going to pluck it off the actual tree, but you're going to move extra foliage or you're going to do something to allow and I just sort of, that came back to me last Sunday and I didn't get the opportunity to share it, but I sense that possibly what's happening with the body is, is there's a, a ripening on the other side. We may have to go back to go forward. <laughs>